Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and we are here tonight for a special bonus edition of the RPG Academy podcast. And I'm joined by another Michael. Michael, say hi to everybody. Hello, there's a Michael for every occasion. There is, you just, so many Michaels, so little time. But we are going to uh, talk briefly tonight, kind of quickly about our recent experience with the Origins Game Fair. Michael and I both had a chance to go up to Columbus. Well, I went up, you might have went over. I don't exactly know how that works. Maybe sideways for you. To the Origins Game Fair, uh, I was fortunate enough they did supply me with a media badge, uh, which is a little bit different than Gen Con. It's, It's a reduced cost badge. It wasn't free, but it was reduced cost. And I really appreciate that they did that. And we just want to talk a little bit about what we kind of got up to, some general impressions, uh, what we were excited about, maybe some things that didn't go well we could hope to do better. Uh, And we're just going to kind of kick things off. So I got to go for a little bit longer than you did. Uh, So I'm going to start with a little bit about what I did first. So I went went up on Thursday morning pretty early. I got in, got my badge, got everything set up. And I had two games on Thursday. And anybody who's listened to me talk about conventions before should know that I, I, I love D&D, play a lot of D&D. But when I go to conventions, I try very hard not to play D&D there. It's, it's not that I don't enjoy it, but I, I want to experience things at these conventions that I can't just experience all the time or more recently, that type of thing. So I specifically look for games that I've not played before or I don't get to play very often. And anyone also should know that I love Dread. Dread is absolutely one of my favorite games in the world, particularly for conventions. And if you don't know, I love Stranger Things. I'm a big fan of the Stranger Things series. So I was very excited that my first game of the convention was a Stranger Things Dread game. Uh, So Michael, any history with Dread? Any history with Stranger Things you want to chime in real quick? Yeah, I mean, great series. Uh, I first played Dread when Caleb ran it at like a Catacomb 1 or 2. So it's been a it's been good. Uh, it's such a unique way to rise tension. I have two Jenga towers right over there. You can't say just off screen because uh, I will run it for one shots uh, with our weekly groups. It's one of the best under two hour one shots that uh, systems that you can run in. If you're looking for a one shot that is going to be fun, exciting, rise tension, then I think it's probably the best. Uh, inside one or two hours. Absolutely. One of my top, top experiences every time I get to play. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. This was very much in line with my expectations. I really enjoyed it. I do, again, we love Stranger Things. The, the, the scenario, I'll try not to spoil too much about any of the games I was in in case other people play them in the future. But we, never, we did not play the main characters. We played secondary characters that kind of was in parallel to what happened in season one, sort of the, the, the inciting incident. Uh, that happens at the very beginning when connection is made with the other side, which becomes known as upside down. So we were not any of the main heroes, but we were scientists and employees of that building, the the CIA or whatever it was, the black ops site. And we had to go into the upside down to try to rescue some other people that got put in there during these experiments. Mm -hmm. It works like Dread did. I thought the GM did a very good job. It was very clear, give a little bit of critique, that we got through the main adventure pretty quickly. We, uh, we were very focused on the objective. And there were a couple like secondary objectives that, that came, presented themselves. Uh, but we were like, no, main objective, main objective, main objective. Once we accomplished the main objective, they're like, okay, now we can go back and try to rescue these other people. And it was pretty clear that 
once we had done the primary objective that the GM was less prepared for this stuff. Like I, I think they had expected us to kind of do everything at one time and we just didn't do it that way. Still a ton of fun, but the quality of the presentation was significantly different when you, I could tell they were just make, kind, of, kind of trying to make it up as they go. Still had a good mm-hmm. time. That would have been my only like critique. Still definitely solid B, B-plus game. A lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. And then after that, I got to play in Fantasy Age 2nd Edition. Have you ever played Fantasy Age? I have not. I, have, I know the system, but I have not been able to, to squeeze it in over the years. So it's by Green Ronin Publishing. It's a fantasy RPG. It started originally with Dragon Age, which was based off board game or RPG based off the video game series. They also had Titan's Grave, which was like their own proprietary setting. I think uh, even Will Wheaton's tabletop show, like they did a campaign of that. Uh, then it became Fantasy Age, was like the generic version. I think there's like Modern Age now. There's Blue Rose, which is like romantic fantasy. Oh yeah. But basically, it's like a D and D ish game. But it's got some different rules. It uses 3D6. It has a, a stunt mechanic. And the second edition just recently came out. I backed it. Uh, I pre-ordered it. Got the PDF already. The hard copies literally arrived, I think, on Saturday at Origins. So that was the first time you could pick up a hard copy. Mm-hmm. They've made some improvements. Again, you know, the, the game's been out for a while now. They've had these other editions. And they've sort of, like, taken the, the differences they made in those editions and they kind of rolled them into um, the main system the adventure, one thing I did really like is that the DM made a point of creating pre-gens that went against type. Uh, and I actually played an orc bard. They're not called mm. bards, but that's basically who I was. So I was like a very sort of fancy pants orc. I named myself Thorn, which is actually a game, a name I've recycled several times. I always say, I used, I'm, I got so tired of being called a little prick that I decided just to go with the <laughs> nickname. So whenever I'm playing sort of an a-hole character, I go with Thorn. Uh, but yeah, he was definitely an orc fancy pants. I kept getting everyone else in trouble. I didn't participate in battles, but it was all fun and games. I, f- I don't think I made anybody mad, even though like we had some, you know, attention at the table, but it felt like it was all player level. So hopefully everyone agreed with me. I had a really good time. Definitely. Again, this was like a B game for me. Mm-hmm. What do you find as the, the main differences between something like fantasy age and something more classic like fifth edition or 3.5? I think I would consider Fantasy Age to be like a, a more rules light, or I should say lighter, because I don't think it's a rules light game, but it's mm-hmm. lighter than D&D. Uh, and generally, when I play those games, I normally find that the GMs and the other players are on board for a more cinematic uh, experience, uh, less minis, like we didn't use miniatures at all, mm. uh, less tactical. You can kind of get away with a lot more stuff, which absolutely fits in the type of game that I enjoy most. Uh, which is also one reason why I don't play 5e at a lot of conventions, because usually I find they play it more tactical, which is not the way I generally like to play. That's not always the case. I've shared with you uh, the single worst session I've ever had in my life was a Fantasy Age game. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was not that one, thankfully. (laughs) That's not me. If I go to a convention and I play a game, I literally want it to be the best game I've ever played or the worst game I've ever played. Did you find that the 3 die 6 lends itself to reliability where you have more structure in the dice. I mean, again, that's part of the the benefit of that is that you have that bell curve. You're much more likely to hit the mid numbers than you are have the outliers where a D20 is, you know, you're as likely to get a two as you are an 18. Mm -hmm. And then especially in fifth edition where you don't have quite as many pluses, a bad roll can't be overcome as easy by your pluses, but you also have ways to do re-rolls like inspiration and ability. So it kind of matches up. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I don't like rolling 3d6 as much as I like rolling a d20. I still dislike rolling that d20 on the table. Even if you had three die 12 that were die sixes? Three die 12 better than but you, you 3d6. Need the, you need the two die, the die 12s that go up to a d6 twice. I have those and I did use them because <laughs> of course, and it's, it's actually funny. Everyone at the table had them. Like it was like the whole table had, we were all like, yeah, that's kind of weird. So it was funny. Oh, well, one guy didn't, but I, we, you know, he was, he was the loser of the group. But the, <laughs> the, out of the five of us, four of us had those double D6s. And then, so on Saturday, um, I'll kind of go, or sorry, I'll go through Friday. And then this is when you join the show and I'll let you cover some things. So Friday, I played a DCC Dungeon Crawl Classics game based in the Lankmar or Lankmar setting. Are you familiar with that? Mm-mm. No. So it's based on Fritz Leiber's book series, something in the Gray Mouser. Oh God, it just slipped my mind. It's like a very famous sort of swords and sorcery Conan S setting that started in like the thirties. I think it's very long term. It's very dark. Like everybody, everything city states, every city's awful. There's lots of crime. You play, you know, less than heroic figures. And um, I have the same setting for Savage Worlds. I've played it a couple other times in other games. And I thought, again, I just like DCC. And the other thing about this game is it was capped at four players, Mm. which is not usual for DCC. Most of the DCC games I played are eight players, and most of those are funnels. At least, you know, the ones I played. This was not a funnel. So I was very excited to play this one. And I would say it it was a really good adventure, had a lot of fun. But the DM did something I thought was really interesting. They actually had a mini game. We were trying to explore some sewers. We were chasing after some people, but we, we had lost sight of them, so we couldn't just keep following them. Mm-hmm. And so the DM introduced this uh, matching game that they basically created. They made their own little tiles, and they, there were two of each set through the sewer. But we played it as a group, but we weren't allowed to show each other the tiles that we had. We had to describe them to each other and then sort of try to remember them. You had to play a Nobby in the middle. Kind of. <laughs> kind, yeah, kind of version of Nobby. And I don't know that I would say it was a great mini game, but it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. We crushed it. We were really good. And uh, I, probably my biggest criticism was that uh, the DM had just sort of arbitrarily set how many chances we got to play the matching game. And I'm sure they play tested it. Maybe the number they picked made sense based off of play testing. But I would have preferred it had something to do with our characters, where one of us rolled an intelligence check, or there was like like the average of our intelligence, like something, or maybe if one of us had tracking, or like we. I feel like it would have been better tied the amount of temps based on character, but the actual presentation and solving was was player. I would just would have liked it to kind of split that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael was nice enough to do some research while we were I was uh, talking there, and it's uh, Fafred and the Gray Mouser books. I'm not sure if you have, that's how you say that right. Uh, so I played something else on Friday, but this is when you showed up. So mm-hmm. I will let you talk a little bit about your Friday. So yeah, uh, Friday came in midday. Didn't, you know, I wanted this convention, unlike others, to be less project managed uh, by me because that's yeah. what I do during my daytime. So I went in with only one game planned. Uh, my brother got to come out, uh, which was good. We haven't been able to see him in a while. We played a zine sort of off the cuff supers game called zam zam pal splork sorry i was trying to remember it and uh it was just a fun meant to be a fun supers game and it uh, it turned out that it was exactly that we got to sort of make our own characters using you know random sets of powers and describing them um which i always like the system 
was very similar to a PBTA, but it was more skewed in the chance of random success because in a supers game, right, the risk of failure, I think, comes with bigger downfalls, right? Like if you're mm -hmm. trying to save the person falling out of the building uh, and you get a partial success, that's probably not good for the person falling out of the building. So it was a, it was a little different coming from a game, you know, games like Call of Cthulhu where failure is meant to be uh, normal. We had a lot of successes, which is good. It is meant to be a one shot. It's meant to have a lot of success and it's meant to be the fun of the game was meant to be the storytelling aspect of how you succeed or how you fail, much like uh, a lot of those PBTA games. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I played a superhero. I got, I, I, we always joke, I'm always the druid in the game because I'm drawn to that. And the two random powers that I rolled on D100 table were shape-shifting and plant control. So that was, I, I turned myself into the topiary toppler, a 50-something year old beast boy um who turns into not beasts but the topiaries of uh, of animals so it was a lot of fun uh and my brother was a uh, hot dog vendor whose superpowers <laughs> were all sausage related oh, so nice. yeah very you know uh very uh fun you know lighthearted game um and then the rest of the day was uh, spent walking the hole um getting a lay of the land for the next day when i just wanted to know where everything was Mm -hmm. so that uh, my nephew who was coming to his first convention ever uh, that I would know where everything is and then uh, also just catching up with with you and, and everybody else that uh, that went yeah we're going to talk uh, for Saturday a lot of it's going to be you talking about your introduction of this new hopefully now fully indoctrinated gamer uh, but I'm going to bore everybody a little bit more first so my Friday night I got to play everyday heroes and I have kind of a weird relationship with this game. It is it is absolutely 5e reskinned to be modern, but with like an action movie bent. Like you're not you're not normal people, you're heroes, but not superheroes type of a thing. And you know, as someone who likes action movies, uh, you know, hint hand I wrote a game about it. Uh, I was very intrigued. I didn't initially back the Kickstarter, and I kind of just didn't have an attachment to the game when it was first on Kickstarter. There were just a couple things about it that just seemed off to me. But I was later given the opportunity to review it. The, the creator sent me a PDF copy, and I was actually really impressed. I ended up giving it a very high rating. Now, I'm not mechanically inclined. I'm sure that there are abilities and rules that maybe just don't work. Maybe they're overpowered. Maybe they're trap choices. But that's not the level that I dig into those. But I will say, like every time I looked at a decision where I think they could have made the wrong decision, I think they made the right one. So I wanted to try it. I wanted to play it. And, and again, this is sort of 5e game, but not quite. So I ended up signing up for two different sessions. And the first one I got to play was on Friday night. And this was the Eurostar game, which is basically you're on like the, the underwater tunnel in Europe. I think some people call it the channel. I don't know. Uh, it's a real thing. I don't know anything about it because I'm an ignorant American. But it gets hijacked. And uh, in this particular setting, we, we, we were all like college friends that were getting together post-college is like a reunion. I was like a first-year medical student. We had like a YouTube star with us. Uh, we had like uh, someone who went like uh, a finance, like a hippie, stoner type of thing. Uh, I did not like this game at all, but it had nothing to do with the, the rules. Mm -hmm. I still think the rules are cool. It had everything to do with just the way the game was presented. I think the other players, great. I think the DM, super nice. 
But they even said, like, they were not prepared to run this game. I think the, the group that came to run all those games, uh, mm-hmm. they had some, like, late-minute cancellations. And so people got pressed into service. So he had never ran that adventure before. He was still kind of reading it as we go. Never a good idea. And I think part of those types of games, you're, you're trying to sell the system. And to do that, you want to show the system. Makes sense, right? But I feel like we got caught up into the minutia too much of trying to like, this is what this system does. And this is what this system does. And here's all your choices through the system that it became a barrier to my fun. Maybe everyone else had a great time. I don't know. I was really just kind of frustrated. I, I felt like specifically the thing that really bothered me was bonus actions. And I've actually experienced this in a straight 5e game before. Every time one of us went, there was like a five minute conversation of, do we have a bonus action that we want to use in this case? And out of like a four and a half hour game, I'm not exaggerating. I bet we spent at least 45 minutes total combined of everyone talking each turn about bonus actions. So like a, almost a quarter of our time was spent on trying to figure out which bonus actions, if any, applied. And I want to say that across that entire game, there was no more than once or twice that the bonus action actually had an appreciable effect that it mattered. We could have just like, I'm not going to do anything or just went with the first one. Maybe it wasn't the best one. And it was driving me bananas. So interesting enough, I had another Everyday Heroes game, but we're going to come back to that. So, Because I, I want to hear all about your Saturday and your nephew. Yeah. So my nephew is, uh, is a lot like me. He's sort of half jock, half geek. You know, he, he will watch a lot of football and he will, uh, he's reading the, he's read the whole Harry Potter series, right? So he's a, he's a nice uh, mix of things. He's a day walker. He walks between two worlds. He does walk between two worlds and he's very intelligent and uh, he's 13 now. So I told him I was going to this convention up there and, uh, you know, I sort of had a plan for Saturday of what, what I was going to do. Started talking to him about it. Um, you know, I had talked to him about conventions before. I know he's this year, he's probably going to come to a, to a catacomb. And um, he said, well, can I come to that? And uh, so I scrapped my entire Saturday, <laughs> deleted everything and uh, said, yes, absolutely, buddy, we're going. Um, got, you know, got super excited. Um, and we, we didn't have a plan going in because he didn't know what he really wanted to do. So we spent a couple days ahead of time trying to plan out a couple, you know, items that we want to do. Like, hey, let's, let's do a couple things you, you know you might like. Let's do a couple things that you're not so sure. So I'll, I'll try to keep it succinct and, and brief. We'll go through the, the order. We get there about nine o'clock. We sort of uh, start walking the dealer hall. We get into our first game, which is the RPG that we're playing, Gablonia, which, uh, as it turns out, uh, was a recommendation from the GM that we had from Zam uh, Pal Splork. Same GM, very good. Um, uh, I forget the, his last name, but Robert's the, G, the GM and the creator. So of both of those systems. So we got to play with the creator for those was very good. And it was a good game because it was an RPG. It was rules lighter. And uh, it's all about being a goblin and a mythological goblin, not the, mm. not the classic sort of D&D goblin. You're, you're a goblin. You can't die unless something very powerful like a fey sword kills you. Mm. You can get incapacitated and things. So you got to play in this um, very gritty but uh, also very lighthearted world. And uh, the whole goal was we wanted to 
create the best or the worst food uh, at a cooking contest for the Fae. So um, his, my nephew was very excited about his character class was called the Smarty Pants. Mm. And uh, he is very much a Smarty Pants. Um, so he got to be, uh, you know, uh, chide and, and condescending and uh, have that be effective in game. My only, uh, the only downside was we didn't get to do a ton of role play. Mm. It uses um, a deck of cards instead of dice. And that slows down things a little bit, but also we were learning. And it, it was his first literal role playing game ever. Right. But we had a blast. Everybody at the table was very, very you know, kind. And um, it was one of the things I told him going into this. My my experience at conventions was has always been very warm. And uh, I think he got that for his his first uh, his first adventure. And they gave us a bunch of cool stuff. We got like a map of the of Gablonia, the city that we were in. And he's got some some cool swag to take home. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm, you know, trying to contain myself during the whole day of like, dude, you got to check this out. Oh, you got to check this out. Right, I don't because I I want him to take some amount of lead in, in what he wants to do. So we we also decide, hey, we're gonna let's do some some other stuff. And I forgot to mention before we do any of that to loosen him up at the beginning of the day. Uh, the get first, him drunk. Yeah, we got him drunk on foam fighting. So okay. the first hour between nine and ten, we did foam fighting, which is super fun. I recommend anybody do it if you have a kid or anybody that's younger. It's a great excuse, but do it anyways because <laughs> um, i had a blast during the whole thing uh that we got to get a little sweaty and loosen up and whack each other with with foam weapons anytime i can get a shield in my hand i'm happy yeah exactly uh you know captain american heart so we did that we we whacked each other in the body not the head for for an hour we get out of there and um we spend the next couple hours rolling around the convention hall, seeing all the things. It's a big new site for, for somebody his age to take all this in. You know, we spend basically an hour, hour and a half talking about all the different sorts of things. And, you know, I had played some games with him and uh, before I'd never done an RPG with him because I didn't honestly didn't think until maybe this year would be something he'd be interested in. And uh, he's really sort of coming into his own with wanting to do theater and things. He had actually spent the whole week before at theater camp. Um, oh, nice. That was like a thing that he did out of the blue as well. Um, so he was really primed for for all of this. We got around to the the hall. We uh, played a couple demos. He really likes that. He you know he likes getting into the math of things. All play had a bunch of good tables. Uh, the the Japan Mation uh, had a bunch of good tables for for uh, for things. There was a game. Uh, there was a couple cat games that we played because mm -hmm. he's big into cats. That was the most of the day. the The other half was uh, spent, um, you know, rolling around downtown, getting some some cool pizza, and uh, let's see what else do we do. The other thing that I wanted to uh, cycle in for him, and I think is good for anybody bringing somebody that's younger, is get some stuff that they're used to. And there was a laser tag event there. Okay. For an hour, so we went and did laser tag for an hour as like a palate cleanser, right? Same thing mm -hmm. with the the foam fighting. Um, and that's what I would recommend for kids, right? Like the trying to be engaged. I think like 12 hours of RPGs is probably a lot yeah, uh, for anybody, but especially a 13 year old. So we get done with that and we play um, Seven Wonders and Splendor. We signed up for two board games, both of which he uh, did as well as a 13 year old a bunch of, against a bunch of adults is going to do. But he had a good time uh, mm. in each of them. Um, he enjoyed learning the rules and 
sort of diving into the the science behind it and um uh what was really cool and i don't know if all 13 year olds are like that with a game like splendor there's a lot of quiet there's a lot of just planning your your it's adversarial right against all right. the people at the table and um he you know was very focused during that whole time and uh, on the best actions that he could do you know and not asking like oh what is the best thing and you know taking his turn being very confident in it so man i'm you know just really proud of him and um by the end of the convention I, you know we're joking you know hey this, this is the last convention you'll ever go to and blah 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 blah, blah. and uh you know he said absolutely 100 percent want to come back we stayed until midnight playing board games we i taught him hanabi oh of course yep uh and uh and then we left at midnight he fell asleep in the car so i know my job was was well done <laughs> so I, again i truly think that's very exciting that you know again i i have two kids i've been playing games with them since they were like five and six i have recently started taking them to the conventions the last couple years but never anything the size of origins like the biggest i've ever taken them to was uh lexicon mm-hmm. which is like maybe 2000 people and i don't think it was that and those are also very board game focused cons so the rpgs are like less than half so it's like mm-hmm. it's basically like an acaticon inside of another convention but it's also a rpg conventions very focused on like dnd and pathfinder there's very few other games so it's it's similar but different but all that to say that taking my kids to a convention for the first time was a very emotional experience for me. I, you know, I get emotional anyways, but I got really choked up and, you know, take me there because I will cry. (laughs) Well, I'm not trying to make you cry, but one, I just want to say thank you for your helping to build that next generation of gamers. And, 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 and in a way that I appreciate right or wrong, it's the same type of thing that I'm into. But I'll ask you, as we always do, and we like to you know, look back at our Gen Cons, what would you do differently? If you have someone else out there who's, who's listening, who has a son, a daughter, a nephew, or a niece somewhere in, or in that age, mm-hmm. and is there anything you would do differently? Uh, do you think you know, Origins was it the right size, too big, too little, the games that you chose? And every kid's different, so it's not mm-hmm. a unique thing. But, but if you had to do it over again, would you do anything different? And if so, why? And if not, why? Yeah, I I don't think there's anything that we did that was uh, that I would say absolutely I would do this differently. I I think you're right about that. Every kid is different, and I think there was a joy in uh, in going into it and not really having a ton of plan and really only having like two weeks notice and not signing up for stuff. I do think we could have benefited from signing up from for some more stuff ahead of time and Mm -hmm. sort of uh, knowing what we were going into. We could have saved some more time and put some more time into gaming instead of maybe the hour, hour and a half that we spent throughout the day scrolling through games and what to sign up for um, while we were there, right? We signed up for Seven Wonders and Splendor while we were there. Um, gotcha. So we probably could have got some more time back, but also that was fun to to go through it with him and let him see what it takes to sort of design your own convention, right? If mm-hmm. I just would have done it for him, he wouldn't really have the understanding of like, oh yeah, this is something that, you know, putting a little planning into benefits. So nothing I would change per se, other than a little more planning ahead of time, because I didn't know what he would like. Uh, I think if you really know what somebody would like, then you can sort of hone in on those things. Right. Um, And I do think that just the single day was probably a good call too. I don't think that like any more than two days would be great for a, for a kid right like let him do other stuff on the weekend right uh, um but uh, yeah i would say like one or two days i wouldn't want to take him you know s- stick to somebody who's brand new 
in uh, in four days at Gen Con. Uh, and it was a good mix. The only other thing that I'll call out to anybody doing it, Origins is about 15,000 people. He is fine with crowds. I was a little nervous about it uh, going in, but, you know, I'm there. I'm a, I'm a big guy. He was fine. And, uh, yeah, that's the only other thing that I would be wary of is the size of the convention and what your your kid would, would want. Any thoughts on maybe cosplay in his future? Think he's gonna be dressing up as anybody? I think he would totally get into it. He is uh, th- he is sort of a, a like a mixture of gamer and theater and and uh, jock. So you know something out of Naruto. To get him <laughs> get him the physical. <laughs> That's the one thing we have enough with my kids. But I I kind of see because they're both in Odyssey of the Mind. They both have done theater. John does theater like every chance he gets. I can see them wanting to get into that, which is not, I mean, I, again, I have my Malcolm Reynolds costume I wear every, every time I have an opportunity now, that's my go-to, mm-hmm. but I can see them being interested in like building props and set, costume and, and stuff. So we'll, I'm going to see how they, like the next time, because I think, because they're supposed to come to with me to a catacomb this year mm-hmm. and we obviously, we have our costume contest. I'm going to see how they feel about that and kind of test the waters with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's not something I'm super into and it would be great if I knew somebody that was more into it to, I can't teach him a ton in that right. in that area, right? My my forte is in role playing, DMing, and and board games. Everything I will say that we did together, I was pumped for too. That was the only mm-hmm. maybe the only other recommendation is maybe you can do some things that are totally outside your wheelhouse if you think you would enjoy it. But everything we did, we we both had a good time at. That's awesome. But once again, man, thank you for doing that. Uh, I look forward to meeting your nephew. Uh, in person at a category. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to see if uh, if your son, if I can get into your son's game, if he's running one. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. So I just quickly, I did do some dealer hall stuff. I bought a few things. Um, I have never been that person who likes going into the dealer hall and like spending really any amount of time like demoing games. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm thinking it's a personality thing. It might have something to do with my ADHD. I know I, I have hearing issues. I'm deaf in one ear and I have my hearing aid. And the hearing aid that I have, like many, it doesn't filter out background noise very well. So it's either mm-hmm. on where I can hear everything around me or I can't hear anything. And I'm, I'm starting to think that, that there's all these different things that have come together. I just don't, it's not something I want to do. I don't feel very comfortable. But I know there are people who love that. I know Rocky, like that's his Gen Con, basically. He mm-hmm. goes and spends like, you know, 12 hours in the dealer hall. I've never truly enjoyed that. There are a few exceptions, like a specific game I want to try, I can deal, but just like walking up down the aisles and talking to people, that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did buy a few things. Friend of the show, Bob, uh, Bob the Tree, uh, is now working for a publisher, DM Dave, who started off making like Patreon exclusive 5e content. It's now gone into game design and publishing, had his own booth there. And so I talked to, to Bob for a little while and I figured I, I, took, him, I took enough of his time he gave me the pitch. I, you know, I got to buy some stuff. So I bought a few of their books there. I haven't really looked through them, so I can't give them any grading yet. But one of them was a Origins exclusive, like an adventure that was based on The Thing, the movie, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, mm-hmm. but in a fantasy world. So basically, spoilers, the adventures are going into an orc uh, camp that has been infected by a thing. It doesn't go well. I bought Paraphrase Volume 1 and 2. This is a game from a friend of the show, Mike Warth. He comes to a catacomb almost every year and and vends with us. Uh, This is a game I don't think he designed. I think he helped publish it. But basically, it's a party game where they have taken popular songs from different decades and then retitled them 
like based on like a different way of saying the title. And then the game works like you have to try to figure out, okay, what's the title of the song? And if you know the artist and if you can sing the song, you get bonus points. So it's a very cool party game if you have people who love music. And my sister-in-law is a fanatic for that. We, um, Mike actually sent me their only demo copy after the Kickstarter had ended because uh, I wanted to try it out. And I played it with my sister-in-law. And she absolutely loved it. So I, I bought the game. So it's a lot more cards, a little bit more polished. So they're very excited about that. And then I went by the uh, Restoration Games booth. They had a deal going on where if you bought any two games, you got a free game. The free game was um, one of their legends uh, for the Unmatched game. Are you familiar with Unmatched at all? I'm not. So just because people I know on the internet have said it's a cool game and they started making Marvel sets, I now own six different sets of Unmatched. Still yet to play it. But I have all the Marvel sets. I have the Buffy the Vampire set. And then I have the one that they gave me. How many games do you own that you have not played? Too many. Too, too many. But I think I'm going to like this one. I'm, 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 I'm going to bring them to the faculty retreat. My, my goal was to play them at the faculty retreat. Get your top three in. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and then I also bought uh, Thunder Road Vendetta, which is like a roll and move car game with all these extra pieces and parts. Again, I, people I, I follow on the internet who yep. I trust said it's amazingly fun. Mm -hmm. It's an Akatacom purchase. So that's what I had to buy to get me my free game. Yeah, we demoed it. It was a lot of fun. There's a, there's a game on Steam that just came out like, uh, that was that is very similar to that. That was a board game as well called Death Roads Tournament. Uh, okay. So if you're looking for something similar, that there's Death Roads Tournament. That that game is very similar. It's you know road rash. You know you fight in cars uh, and uh, try to win the race. So it was a lot of fun all around. You know that I, I we had fun demoing that as well. So well, again, maybe you can, I'll bring that to the factory tree as well, and you can show me how to play it. Yeah. Uh, but that was basically all the stuff that I bought. Uh, I, I was very good to my budget there. I did go to Jets Pizza four times while I was there. I love Jets Pizza and I don't get it anymore because I don't live in Cincinnati. And it was just also convenient. I didn't have to go that far. So yeah, but it was very good. So on my Saturday, my favorite game of the, of the con, I got to play a game, Mutants and Mastermind 3rd Edition called What's Wrong with Hulk? And this was very much a Marvel superhero based on the MCU. And I thought that GM did a very good job building it again it was a very cinematic game we got to do all the cool cinematic stuff i thought all the other players did a very good job there were a couple i thought were like exceptionally good at this and that really elevated the game i don't think the rules had anything at all to do with my fun and we could have been doing any other system and it would have been just as good if not better not a fan of mutants mastermind but that was still by far my favorite game of the con absolutely loved it mm-hmm then that night, I got to play in a game called Quantum Black. Are you familiar with this at all? No, I saw it on your schedule, read the uh, synopsis, and was like, I want to get into that, but couldn't. It seemed very interesting. It's, a, it's sort of like an alt-modern future. So it's like the year 2100, I think. It's a, like there's a company called Quantum that basically it, it's like Apple, but Apple's taken over the entire world. And there's also like Cthulhu monsters. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like modern day, but not exactly. Uh, and it has some very interesting elements to it. Uh, all the characters are assumed to have all the information that you know as a person. So like if you're sitting there with your phone and you want to Google stuff, that's, that's part of the rules. Like, well, your character, if they have a phone, they can Google, they can look up stuff. And I thought it was interesting, and I don't know if this works all the time, though actually one of the players was the creator of the game, so probably. Uh, he didn't run it, he played. 
but the adventure we played was based heavily on real life stuff. Mm-hmm. So like we went to a real place and we could Google that real place and get information about the place that was applicable to the game. And so the person who had designed it had maps, like actual maps of the actual place. And and it was kind of an interesting element that like rather than going to Google and like cheating, it's like, oh no, this is like you just described this thing. Here's an actual Google Earth maps of the thing you're talking about. I don't really experience that a whole lot. I thought that was very cool. The game system is based on Ubiquity, which I have only really played a couple of times, like Hollow Earth. Basically, you get a rating, like 12. You roll a bunch of dice, and it's 50-50. So you can say even odd, high, low, whatever you want. You roll them, and if you get enough successes, you can also take the average. So like I was the, a sniper shooter. I was really good at shooting, shooting things. My sniper rating was like 16. So I could just take an eight every time. Didn't have to roll. I got, I got an eight because uh, 50% of, you know, basically you're going to get an eight most of the time. And sometimes you roll a lot of dice. And it, I think, I think we might have rolled dice 10 times total mm-hmm. the entire time. It was very investigative. It was very role play heavy. I thought the GM did a really interesting job with like how they chose to present some of the information. It felt very kind of down to earth and real. But ultimately, I don't think it ended, it almost ended too easy. I felt like once we got to where we were supposed to be, everything fell in line, which maybe it was supposed to, but it just felt like it was too easy at the end. And uh, so that was probably why that wasn't my favorite game, but it, it was close. And then Sunday, I played one more game. I played one more session of Everyday Heroes. I had signed up for a Pacific Rim game, but uh, I was the only player that showed up. Oh. There was an Escape from New York game that only two people showed up for. So we combined tables. And so the person who was supposed to be my GM, who was like one of the lead designers of the game, played and we played in this other game. And this was much more my style of game. It was very cinematic. Uh, we didn't worry so much about those. We actually talked our way through about 90% of the adventure. We, we only had one combat and that was the final. Like we just kept talking our ways out of combat. And I'm all for that. I think I mean, it fit. I, was, I wasn't upset at all. It was a fun kind of adventure. Uh, it was definitely also high up there. And again, it, it kept selling me on, on the game more so than that first experience did. Again, I'm not a mechanics-based person, but we, every character had something super cool they could do. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a good design element. Like, it, you know, even when, when we're talking, we all had things we could do. When we're fighting, we all had things that we could do. We did them differently, but we all were able to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, um, I played um, a character who used a crowbar, and he was sort of like a religious figure. I was like a, in, the, in the clergy, so I had a tattoo on the back of my hand that looked like the base of a cross, so when I held my crowbar, it made the crowbar look like a giant cross. And I had the wording kindness engraved on my crowbar, so I, I introduce you to kindness, and then I kill you with kindness. It was a, it was fun. I actually absolutely loved it. Um, B, you know, I'd say almost every game was a B. That Mutants and Masterminds was an A. The one game I didn't like was like a D minus. Wasn't the game. It was just a collection of factors that just worked, put, put me in a situation that I didn't want to be in. Mm-hmm. But overall, I had a great origins. I, I used to go to them quite frequently. And then just, we, I have this family vacation that happens every year in June. And it just kept seeming like it overlapped with it for year after year after year. But I absolutely will be going again. If, if I don't have that obligation that I can't go, 
it's definitely like a every year situation for me. How about you? Yeah, I would agree. Right. It's, uh, I mean, like the close factor is, is great. So it's in Columbus. We should mention that for maybe people who don't know it's in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. There's a few Colum- Columbi out there, but, uh, yeah, Columbus, Ohio, it's very close. And, um, it's, it's a well-run con, you know, in terms of, you know, what is it? Six, seven, eight, nine years at Gen Con, right? Plus a catacon plus a dozen other conventions that I've gone to. There's nothing that I can really pull out from this that says the direction of the event or the direction of the staff made me enjoy the con less. It's, it's, you know, it's big, it's not too big, but that, I think that's like a, if I get through a convention and I say, man, there's nothing that I feel like they, that I got screwed on or that didn't work out or that um really you know messed up a day or a game for me then i think that's a pretty resounding success for a convention um you know i can pull out a couple things that just can be difficult right the convention has a dot csv file so you can get all of your excel wizardry down and find out all the games uh there's enough staff for the the badges and and uh, everything that you're not waiting in line for an hour to try to get tickets and things like that the website's available mobile, so you can flip through your phone and find a new game while you're on your phone. The event hall, the vendor hall, hall was big enough. There was enough spaces between tables. There was enough private rooms. Things weren't too loud. You know, all the things that I think can can go wrong. Nothing of that ilk happened in, in the negative. Uh, yeah, I, one thing I would mention is that the, they don't charge for events there. Oh, similar yeah. like how we do at a catacomb. There, there were a few some exceptions, which again, they are at a catacomb, but most events were free, which is a change within the last couple of years that has happened. Uh, but that definitely is a plus because once you have your badge, you don't have to worry about that. I uh, wasn't a fan of parking. I prepaid for parking. It was $23 a day and then ended up not getting enough days. So basically it cost me 90 bucks to park at the hotel, which I mean, we pay for parking at Gen Con too, but um just seems like a lot. 90 bucks for four days of parking seems like a lot. And then I'm not a VIG at Origins, but the person I roomed with was, and he was expressing that there were some issues with the VIG this year. Mm. Um, Some of the setup wasn't quite what they were expecting. The swag wasn't quite up to the level they were expecting to the, the point that he actually ended up getting a refund, like not completely, but I think they sent an email that like everyone who did VIG got like a partial refund on what the cost was. And I don't know what the cost was myself, I know at Gen Con, it's like $700 to be a VIG or something like that, but Mm -hmm. you get a bunch of stuff. Same thing here. I think you get some priority stuff. You get swag. You get access to like certain events. Uh, There's like free drinks and snacks and like a private room you can hang out in, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But he was saying that he was a little disappointed with the VIG. Apparently wasn't the only one. I also saw some things online, uh, TikToks and Reddit about Origin. I guess I was there. So my phone knew was feeding me Origin stuff. But again, I guess they recognized the opportunity issued a refund, partial refund, and hopefully they will to that, retool that for next year. But uh, all in all, I had a great time. Again, all in all, the cost was very reasonable. I split the mm-hmm. room with, uh, with Chris. Parking was what it was. You know, I, I'm very much looking forward to going back next year if it happens. But for now, we're onward and upward. We're six weeks out from Gen Con and a few months out from a Catacon. Uh, so any final words, I don't, I don't actually already kept you longer than I wanted to. So any final words before I let you go and get off here? Oh yeah. The, the last thing I was going to say was the price is it's pretty reasonable price. Uh, come check it out. Uh, there's nothing about this experience that says you shouldn't do it. If you like games, everything about 
the, my experience for the four or five that I've gone to says, if you like conventions and you like gaming, go. I would heartily agree. The last thing I will say before the last thing I will say is I, I have heard from a lot of industry people through the podcast that Origins is like the show they go to for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a working con. I mean, obviously it is, but you see a lot of designers. I saw Keith Baker like nine times. So if you want to go and maybe go have a, a, an adult beverage or maybe have, have a, a food, you know, buy a share of pizza, this is the type of con where that type of socializing can happen. It can happen to all of them, but I feel like anecdotally, I have been told that this is the type of con where a lot of the designers that I know of and, or know about or know uh, go to have a good time, play games and, and hang out where like Gen Con is like work for them. Mm-hmm. So it has that added benefit as well. It's also pretty condensed. There's the convention center and basically one hotel. Like it's pretty condensed, so it's not that far to get from one place to the other. Uh, we stayed in the Hyatt, which is the the hotel where a lot of the games are, so I didn't have to go very far. I could get off the elevator in five minutes. I was at my game where Gen Con, again, I love Gen Con, but sometimes it's like a 20-minute walk mm-hmm. to get from one side to the other. So I definitely enjoyed that as well. Uh, so, yeah, all in all, I would say this was a, an A-plus event for me. Happy to go back. But the last thing I'll say is if you're having fun. You're doing it right. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.